Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And uh, that would make this... Stuff You Should Know. Yes, the Stuff They Don't Want You to Know edition. Yeah, kind of. Whoa there. Sorry, everybody. Um, Sorry, Chuck. We should apologize (laughs) for cutting in like this. I know. We're going to, we have some important information that we usually reserve for the end of our show, but we realize that some people tune out, so it's at the beginning this time. Yes. um, We have, uh, well, we're going to South by Southwest. We're hoping to, right? Yeah. We're we're up for an interactive panel, Mm -hmm. and um, we need everybody's votes. The last chance to vote is today the day this comes out actually tomorrow it's friday oh is it friday Friday. okay all you have to do is go to panelpicker.sxsw.com slash ideas slash views slash 6817 i guess it's ours yeah that like takes you directly to the page where you can vote on us and when you try to vote it'll say oh wait you got to register and it takes like 40 seconds to register, and they will not spam you. Right. So uh, basically, please go register for us, because we'd love to have a yeah. panel at South by Southwest. It's just cool. We want to go. And, Chuck, South by Southwest reminds me of something else. That will conclude our national tour, which we're kicking off here in Atlanta on October 13th. Yes, we are having, uh, like we did in New York, we are having an all-star trivia event here in Atlanta, October 13th, and five or six other uh, secret to be named later cities, right? Yes, we're going to be all over the place. We're going to be touring the country, playing people in trivia, having a good time. Wow. It'll be fun. It'll be uh, during the week, kind of break up that that weekday monotony kind of thing, probably Wednesdays or something, I think. Yeah, over the next, uh, well, up until March, Yeah, between now and March. So keep an eye out, because we actually did spread it out geographically as much as we could to get as many people there as possible. Yeah, details will follow, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, that's it, right? Uh, yeah, back right. to our uh, regularly scheduled program. Let's avoid the whole conspiracy thing. I don't even think we should bring up any conspiracies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, it's a little little difficult to talk about Freemasons, which is what we're talking about today, without talking conspiracy. And for good reason, too. Um, they are one of the more secretive orders ever created. What right? if we just talked about, like, brick and stonework the whole time? <laughs> I, you got to get the proper mixture, and you got to get the trial just right. I know how to make uh, mix mud is what it's called yeah. mortar. Yeah, it's fun. I can I can whip up a pretty good batch of it, man. Well, you built a fire pit, right? I did. I've built um, walkways, walls, all sorts of stuff. I yeah. guess you could uh-huh. call me a mason, but Chuck, I would be a rough mason. Yeah, not a Freemason. No, which is the big distinction that we'll get to eventually, right? Yes, we will. But first. Let's talk about what's going down in Boise, Idaho right now. I have no idea what's going on there. Well, I can tell you, there's a guy named Crispin Hartung, and he was summoned to Boise Lodge Number 2, Ancient, Free, and Accepted Masons of the Grand Lodge of Idaho, basically to explain himself for going ahead and founding another lodge called the Praxis Lodge, which is considered a modern lodge. Uh And the brothers at um, the... Boise Lodge Number Two wanted to know why he'd done this, because it basically flies in the face of the tenets of Freemasonry, right? At least as far as the York 
or no, Scottish Rite masonry goes, which I guess is what most American lodges are, right? Yeah, because they were from England. The Scottish Rite is England, and the other one is French, right? Right. So this guy's this the Praxis Lodge is aligned with the um, Grand Orient of France, and basically, the, they don't require that there be a volume of sacred law present as part of the indispensable part of the furniture of the lodge. I'm quoting. Uh, el, this Praxis Lodge allows discussion of religion and politics. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. No, and um, it doesn't require that members believe in a supreme being. So he just he's not a mason. No, he was, and he went and founded a Praxis Lodge, a secular lodge. The guy's yeah. a secular humanist, and he was uh, excommunicated, expelled from the Boise Lodge Number Two. Did they burn his bowels? <laughs> they didn't because he didn't share any secrets. But yeah. this kind of stuff actually gives you a glimpse of, you know, what the Masons are all about, Chuck. Right? Secrecy. So it they are a very secret secret order, but they over time like little things have come out. Um in this article will reveal the the name of God. Um the secret word that gets you to like the next level after the yeah. third degree there's all sorts of like it's it's the the least secret secretive order yeah oh as far as you know i would think they would have changed this stuff if you can like read these secret passwords on our website wouldn't they have changed it by now well but think about it i mean like are you going to change god's name you can't it's just kind of like and yeah everything you've heard is true this is this is god's name I would aren't you it. glad you made it to the fourth degree now yeah. So let's talk about the history of the Masons, right? There's a, a lot of competing theories of where the Masons came from. Yeah, they, they range from uh, ones we won't talk about as much, like ancient Druids or the Isis-Osiris cult in ancient Egypt, mm-hmm. to um, my favorite story. And this one, I think, holds a little bit of credence for sure, because they still, part of their rituals involve this story. Yeah. So it seems like it might be the way the right. way to go. Or else they just selected the story and they're sticking with it. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, way back in the day, King Solomon's temple in 967 B.C. was built in Jerusalem. And uh, there was a master builder, a master mason named Hiram Abif, who uh, claimed to know the secret to the temple. Because you got to have a secret if you're going to build a temple or else uh, it's yeah. just sure. a temple. And uh, three men kidnapped him one day, threatened to kill him if he didn't reveal the secret. He apparently said, no way, I'm not going to uh, do that. So he was promptly killed. And then King Solomon <laughs> heard about this and ordered some masons, and these were stone masons at the time, you know, just regular stone masons. It was before the whole Freemason thing, right? I don't know. Well, that's where I'm going with. And uh, he said, bring his body back here and bring back the secret of the temple. That did not work. So he says, well, you know what? I'm going to establish a new secret. And here it is. And here it is. It is Mahabon. That's the secret. The secret is a word, and the word Mahabon means the Grand Lodge door opened. The secret um, is the password that yeah. they use to enter the third degree of masonry. So Mahabon. if you were thinking, I'd like to become a mason, but I want to start out at the third level. I don't want to become a, 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 a an apprentice, right? No. Uh, just go ahead and go into a Masonic lodge and say Mahabone, and they'll be like, <laughs> well, I would say Mahabone, and they would like go, uh-uh. Yeah. You mispronounced it. Or you'd just leave the H out. It'd be like Mahabone. Burn your bowels. Right. So um, that is the, that's the, that's the party line of the Masons, um, yeah. of where they came from. Uh, probably uh, the, the more likely explanation is the um, 
i.e. boring. Right. I think it's kind of interesting, though. I, th- I like it because all, most of the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. But um, in the Middle Ages, m- masons were a – well, there were two kinds, like we said. Yeah. There were rough masons, like me, just jerks who knew how to mix mud together and right. could you know, work with stone that was pretty tough to screw up because they were so big. Or there were free craft masons, or free, free stone, stone masons, masons yeah. or Freemasons. Um, that worked with intricate carvings in soft stone. Yeah. Free stone is like the soft stone that, that you can actually carve designs into, and it took some serious skill, right? So to protect their wages, to make sure that they were differentiated yeah. in the minds of employers, like and their the church too. or, right, um, they, they initiated trade guilds, right? Yeah, it's like a union, sort of. Exactly. Um, these trade guilds founded lodges yeah. where they stored their tools. Their secret tools. And their, they ate and basically hung out together. Uh-huh. And then after a while, they just went the extra mile and said, you know what? Um, I want to make sure that there's no rough masons at our, at our lodge. So right. we're going to come up with secret handshakes, passwords, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there, the masons were born. Yeah. And that, that one makes sense too. Uh, and then we can't talk about any of this without talking about the Knights Templar for a second, because we've gotten uh, railed about the Knights Templar with the Friday the 13th show. Yeah, we have. So, for goodness sakes, the Knights Templar is another theory. And um, the deal there was the Knights Templar, there were monks that uh, basically guarded a passage from uh, Jaffa to Jerusalem to protect Christians on their way. And they were pretty rough, apparently, and they at one point discovered King Solomon's uh, riches in the temple. They're like, it. there's the real secret. Yeah, and it, it was apparently cash. the biggest, you know, stock of cash. It was probably just dollar bills, is my guess. <laughs> right. And they took it all, and King uh, Philip, what is that, the fourth of France, <laughs> said, arrest all those dudes so I can get their money that they just stole. And they were imprisoned, and then there's a bit of a mystery of what happens, but... One theory is that after they were released from prison, they went into hiding and emerged as Freemasons later on. Right. That's, that's one theory. That's just yet another theory. And um, King Philip IV may or may not have had them arrested on a Friday the 13th. Oh, is that the deal? So, Chuck, um, there's a couple of theories and probably the likeliest theory of where Freemasons came about. Um we know that modern Freemasons, we can trace their history pretty pretty well. Yeah. Um, over time, you know, we've got these Masonic lodges, and they're just kind of hanging out, and it's really like a trade guild. Right. Um, and only what are called operative Masons could join. Yeah, that's literally people who were stone Masons. Right. Um, the thing was is these, these um, free stone Masons or Freemasons kind of fancy themselves like, I, I think they cultivated their uh, intellectualism as a f- way yeah. to further separate themselves from rough masons. Right. And so they started, like, having discourse at these lodges and, right, and right. talking, and they developed a, a pretty— they were so smart. They developed a philosophy, right? Um, and one of the one of the big, uh, I guess, tenets of Freemasonry is religious tolerance, right? Yeah, while being—they were very liberal— Religiously speaking, they didn't like the hardcore Catholic rules. Right. And later on, I think, uh, well, a couple of things happened. Catholics were 
for, forbidden to join Freemasons at one point by one of the popes. Right. And then I think that went away. And then at one point they were accused of not allowing Catholics in as a Freemason, but they said that's not true either. Right. Um, and ag- again, we saw that uh, in that thing that's going down in Boise right now that you um, that to be like a, a typical Masonic lodge, you have to have a sacred volume. Right. But in keeping with that religious tolerance idea, um, there it can be anything like the Quran. It can be the the yeah. um, Jewish Old Testament, the uh-huh. Talmud, right? Pretty cool. Um, or the New Testament, the yeah. Bible. Um, but you have to believe in a supreme being. That's that's another major tenet of yeah. Freemasonry. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is it wasn't necessarily like the Christian God and the idea of religious tolerance of believing in what's called the Grand Architect. Right. right? Um, that definitely jibes with Enlightenment thought. So. These Masonic lodges where, like, you had to be a mason who could carve into stone started attracting people who were basically tourists. Yeah, like artists and uh, aristocrats. All of a sudden there was this cool club, Mm -hmm. and they says, well, I want to be a mason because you guys get together and you're all smart and you talk about stuff that's neat and secret. And so they started letting in. Uh, speculative instead of uh, operative Freemasons, they started letting in speculative Freemasons, and and speculative uh, with as a word as a word. Yes, and it became basically like the fraternity gentlemen's type of club that it is today. Right, that and was like the beginnings of that. Gentlemen's club is a uh, well, gentlemen is the operative word because um, the Freemasons have never allowed women in, except in some very very unique circumstances. Um, there was one famously a woman named Elizabeth Aldworth, yeah, who was caught eavesdropping on a Masonic, um, I guess, discussion or whatever in a, a lodge. Meeting, yeah, and um, they found her and said, "Okay, you can join." So they inducted her. I think it was one of those deals where, like, well, gosh, she knows the deal now, right? But the the I guess the I don't know if funny is the right word, but the the reason that they gave for not um, admitting women was. They were afraid that women were going to distract the guys yeah. from their intellectualism. Sure. So there's clearly a division of the higher self and the lower self, and they associated the lower self with women. Right. And then secondly, um, that women were too gossipy and would reveal their secrets. Right. And apparently Elizabeth would like go around town after that wearing her, uh, her Masonic clothes. Her apron? Yeah, her apron. Really? That's what I heard. Guy just told me like right yeah, before I went in. Who did you hear <laughs> the word on the street? Um... Chuck, go ahead. Well, I was just—I should mention uh, officially, in 1723, their constitution was written by a Scot, uh, Scottish Freemason uh, named James Al- Anderson. Almost said Alexander, and he—this uh, was basically the first official set of like laws and rituals and stuff. Yeah. So that's in place in 1723. Right, and uh, five years prior to that, four f- Masonic lodges in London combined to form the first Grand Lodge. Yeah. And that tradition's been followed. In the States, there's typically one Grand Lodge in a state. And you got to answer to that lodge, right? Especially if you start a secular lodge. Right. Uh, we should mention quickly, too, though, since you mentioned the, the female uh, member, there are a couple of sort of spinoffs that are all females. Called uh, One's called the Order of the Amaranth, and one's called the Order of the Eastern Star. Mm-hmm. And those are for the ladies. <laughs> that want to get all Masonic. Right. So, Chuck, let's uh, talk about American Freemasonry. Yeah, why not? 
So, like we said, the the whole Enlightenment movement really became fond of the um, ideas of Freemasonry, and you know, there's there's a lot of um, uh, conspiracy theory about whether or not you know America was founded by Masons, and yes, it indeed was. Yeah, to a large degree, for sure. George Washington, mm-hmm. you could make a case that he helped found America. Yeah, he was a Mason. Benjamin Franklin. Mason, yeah, um, and several other guys who signed the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, and ten of them signed the Articles officially. So it's some people say it's one of the myths that like everybody that was signed the Constitution was a Mason. Not true. No, but enough were that you oh, could yeah. say they had a real hand in in shaping the United States. And actually, um, like the dollar bill, the uh, pyramid with the eye above it. Yeah. is about as Masonic as it gets. The yeah. Masons love their symbology. Oh, yeah. Um, and I read an explanation in um, U.S. News and World Report, which means it's true, um, by a guy who has written about, um, well, mysticism in America. Right. Uh, named Mitch Horowitz, right? And he basically explained that what this, what the unfinished pyramid with the eye floating over it means is you know, we are, as humans, are capable of great acts of, of engineering and technology. And, right. And probably you could extend that to, you know, kindness and generosity. Sure. Um, but and we, horror. we couldn't finish anything unless, um, it's blessed by providence, which is represented by this eye. Uh, so it's a hopeful symbol in that gotcha. this pyramid will eventually be finished. We will eventually be successful because providence winks upon us. Right. That's one explanation. I'm sure there's like five million other explanations sure. that include everything from like the Nazis to cults, um, Caligula. Yeah, but uh, that's that's what I understand that means. Boy, and, from Nazis and to Caligula, that's a pretty wide range. The point is, though, is that there there is a Masonic symbol on our dollar bill. Yeah, which makes me wonder if the Knights Templar found the dollar bills at the Temple of Solomon. Maybe, maybe they got that. That's so... That all the singles, they're like, let's make it rain. It all makes sense. <laughs> uh, there's also a, a theory that they were, um, some Masons were, had actually organized the Boston Tea Party. And the French Revolution. Yeah, at uh, St. Andrew's Lodge in Boston. And there's a couple of reasons they point to. One is that they did not meet the night of the Boston Tea Party. And then there was some letter T on one of their scrolls. And that's sort of been called out as, maybe there were some there, maybe there weren't, but... Amazingly, the Boston Tea Party has still remained a secret to this day. Like, all those dudes swore secrecy, and with 100% verification, cannot happen at this time. That sounds pretty Masonic. Yeah, that's true. So, um, after the American Revolution, the successful Masonic overthrow of the British rule, yeah. um, basically the American Mason said, hey, you know, we were under your the, the purview of the provincial yeah. lodge. We gotta go. They're and like, we can't, we gotta make a clean break with everything here. Right. Including so, masonry. So they formed their own official lodges in, in the United States and it kind of took off. Um, in America, you've got the York Rite and the Scottish Rite. And the York, like you said, is French and the Scottish Rite follows the English traditions. Yeah. Um, and apparently the French tradition is the one that's secular. Uh, Scottish tradition, you have to have that sacred volume and, and a belief in a supreme being. Um, and you can't talk about religion or politics under the Scottish rite, right? 
Yeah, and we have the Scottish Rite Hospital here, too. I never really thought about that until I read this. Yeah, I think in the Shriners as well. That's another example of um, of their Masons. Yeah, that was kind of an offshoot of Masons, the Shriners with their fun uh, little cars that they drive around in. Yeah, parade and their fezes. Their fezes. Um, so, Chuck, let's talk about religion, right? Okay. A lot of people think that it is a... That that Freemasonry is a religion in and of itself, probably not true. Yeah, I mean, they say this is what I don't get. They say that you have to believe in God the under Supreme. the Scottish Rite. Well, yeah, that's the first question they ask you when you get in, you know, in your little ceremony there. But if you're if you're following a Scottish Rite, exactly. Lodge. But then they also, on the other hand, say, "But we're not even allowed to talk about religion in our meetings." Right. So what's going on there? Um, I don't know. I think it's probably like one of those things where they just figured out pretty early on after having held meetings for centuries that they're like, wow, you just can't bring up religion and politics. It ticks everybody off. Like, Believe me. Don't go there, friend. Right. They also um, don't follow the traditional um, Judeo-Christian view of God as a supreme being necessarily because they call God the great architect of the universe, which actually sounds pretty deist to me. Yeah. Right? That's a good point. Um, but, again, you have to believe in God. You can't talk about it, but you have to swear an oath upon a sacred sacred volume, right? Or book of the sacred law, which could be a Quran, uh, the yeah. Talmud, or the New Testament. Yeah, they're kind of open-minded. When to, it, to an extent, as long as you believe in God. Right. And right. as long as you don't tell any secrets, because we'll burn your bowels. Right. So if you want to become a Mason, right, and you, you have picked up that you've said that your bowels may be burned if you give away secrets, you've come to terms with that, <laughs> you want to enter the Brotherhood, what do you do? Well, you have to be sponsored. You have to fill out your application, basically. you got to get two sponsors from the same lodge to say, you know, to vouch for you, I guess. Uh, then you are voted on, uh, voted in by a secret ballot. Um, you are asked whether or not you believe in God, and you have to answer yes. I imagine if you say no, then they'll just say, yeah, it probably isn't the place for you then. They'll point you to the French Orient. And you have to have a little bit of money. I mean, it, you don't have to be rich, but you have to pay the dues and keep your dues up like any club, and you're expected to be um, philanthropic too. And if you don't take part in that stuff, it's probably frowned upon. So you got to have a little bit of money. Right, and... Um once you are accepted, you start out as an entered apprentice, and you're yeah. initiated, right? Yeah, this is this is pretty fun. And they do the they they have to you have to tell the story of the King Solomon's temple and uh-huh. um, Hiram Abiff, and and basically you act it out. You act out this tradition. Yeah, in blindfold. And then you are you are Hiram Abiff. Yeah, or Abiff, and mm-hmm. you are murdered, and you. Pretend like you're dead and you're reborn and yeah. you're a mason now. Yeah, I'm really curious about the you know, like the artistic leeway they give you there. Uh, yeah, and and also I can't I can't get the image of slacks out of my head. Like there's some guys wearing the clothes that he was wearing at work, which is He's got like a tie. <laughs> yeah, slacks, right? And and like a a short sleeve button down, right? Acting out that he's just died yeah. and is reborn. I'm hoping that there's like a robe involved or something. Yeah. Just kind of sure. deaden any any fashion choices. So that's kind of, you know, it's interesting. Ritualistic yeah. for sure. 
then then you begin your your you know your rise to the top. Although they say that most Freemasons don't get above like what like three degrees, right? Out of the thirty, what there's thirty three. Well, 33 there's thirteen total. in the French tradition, right? Um, but the uh, I guess the Scottish rite is thirty three degrees of Freemasonry. And as you graduate, you get more secrets told mm-hmm. and more threats against telling those secrets. Well, go ahead and tell them the threats. I know you're chomping at the bit for that. And the the Masons, we should say, by the way, deny this. They this is this is speculation, but this has yeah. come out supposedly from other Masons that the this is the punishment for revealing secrets. Yeah. So apparently, if you're an apprentice, which is the first level, and you tell secrets, your tongue is torn out. Uh, free craft, which uh, what number is that? That's uh, is the second degree. Oh, uh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, they will actually tear your heart out. Mm-hmm. Which would probably end it for you, right? And then the master mason is the famous bowel burning that I've been speaking of for fifteen minutes now. And one one has to imagine that they're burning your bowels alive. It's not like they suffocate you with a pillow and then burn your bowels. Like you're yeah. probably alive while your bowels will be are being burned. Yeah, and I, the first time I read this, I thought it said your bowels are turned, and I thought that was some ancient like like being drawn and quartered. I was like, oh my gosh, your bowels are turned. That must. It must be awful. But then I saw it was burned, which is even worse. They just go, Joan Collins. And you're like, <laughs> oh, my bowels are turned. Uh, and then if you're a royal arc, uh, then you have the top of your skull sliced off, which is no fun for anyone. No. Again, <clears throat> presumably you're alive. And we should say the Masons still say this is not true. Yeah. Um, but when you get to that third degree, the end of the third degree, the Master Mason degree, and you have kept the secrets. Your bowels are intact. Yeah. Your heart's fine, and your tongue's fine. Um, you finally get the name of the arch- great architect of the universe as part of your initiation to the um, high- holy royal arch, which is like yeah. the fourth degree, right? So, Chuck, what is the name of the great architect of the universe? <laughs> are we, we going to reveal this? It's in the article. Uh, it is Yab- Yabulon. That's what it is. I know. And apparently that stands, the J-A-H stands for Yahweh, which is he, the Hebrew God, um, or God for Hebrew, in Hebrew. Right. And Yahweh <laughs> oh, meant I am in Hebrew. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Uh, and the B-U-L is for, is for Baal, B-A-A-L, which is the ancient Canaanite fertility God. And then On is you Osiris. you did not mess with? No, you don't want to mess with him. Right, and On is for Osiris. Yeah, the Egyptian god of the underworld. Right. Uh, so basically what you've got is like this three different aspects. You have like life, death, sex, existence, you know, embodied by these different gods, and then all combined together. Yeah. Which is convenient. Yeah. So. Which degree is your favorite? Did you look these over? Yeah. My favorite is uh, King of the Brazen Serpent. That's the 25th degree. Oh, yeah. My second favorite was the Intimate Secretary. (laughs) Nice. There's also the uh, 18th degree uh, is the Knight of the Pelican and Eagle and Sovereign Prince Rosecroix of Herodom. Yeah, that's pretty good, too. Yeah. There's so many Masons that are like, you guys are making fun of us, you jerks. We're not. I'm not. Timothy Hutton's out there angry. Is Hutton a Mason? Turk 182 is livid right now. He's a Mason? Oh, yeah. Wow. I got a list. We'll go over that later. Okay. And I'm sure that you have movie references, too, I expect. No, not really. Crazy. So, Chuck. Flintstones. What was that? The Royal Order of Buffalo? Whoa. That I was their totally little. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. They wore the big uh, yeah. buffalo hat. Fe- they had fezes. 
right? With like uh, horns yeah, coming out horns. of them. Sort of was it the water buffalo? It seems water, like water, water buffalo. buffalo. Maybe it was water buffalo. Wow. Yeah, you just blew my mind, man. Yeah. I forgot all about that. I did too until just now. So, Chuck, you've entered a lodge. Okay. Let's say you're up to the third or fourth degree. Sweet. You're not running around Idaho forming, quote, irregular lodges. No. Um, and you are vying for office, let's say. What are some of the um, positions available to you at a typical lodge? Well, it starts up top as the, with a senior warden. Well, I'm sorry, there's a master. Right. That's the top. That's the guy who's running the show of the lodge. Making sure everything is abided by, abode by. <laughs> so you got the senior warden after that. Right. Then a junior warden. Right. You got a treasurer, of course. There's always a treasurer. There's a secretary that writes down everything that's going on. Uh, you've got a senior and a junior deacon. Now, I've met a senior or a junior deacon. I don't know which oh, really? guy, which one he was, but Yumi and I toured the um, George Washington Memorial Masonic Lodge uh-huh. in Alexandria, Virginia. It is awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'll put that on my list. Yes, you should. On my bucket list. We si- we actually signed up Ben Bolin from um, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Oh, really? To, for, to their email <laughs> list. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second, too. Uh, and then it depends on where the lodge is and what's, uh, how they're structured, but you can also have an inner guard who's like a sort of like a bouncer, um, a chap, <laughs> a chaplain, uh, director of ceremonies and an organist. Yeah. Just for just, fun. Just for flair. Then, 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 then. See, That's what I would you know, do. you know, I equate organists with slacks. Do you? Mm-hmm. All I think about is baseball. Hmm. I used to think of church. Now I think of baseball. Let's let's talk quickly about the um, symbology. There's so much to it, but the very standard. If you look at the Mason symbol, it's a it's a right angle ruler, a compass, and a G. Right? Yeah. Take it away, Chuck. Well, the G stands for either God or geometry, which was obviously a pretty sacred thing to a Mason, a stone Mason. Right. And they, you know, it's either God or geometry. My money's on. Geometry. I would say geometry too. Yeah, and uh, the square uh, actually is means something. It encourages you to be a, a a square dealer, essentially, like Sling Blade says. And then <laughs> you have the compass, which stands for creating boundaries in life. Right. And there you have it. There you have. It. There's that's their symbol and what it means. All right. I guess it is time for. Um, Conspiracy theory, maybe? Yeah, we got to throw this in there. If you ever suspected the Masons of having in their past um, an allegiance or a confederacy with a group called the Illuminati who was bent on throwing over the church and government and establishing a new world order, you're actually right. Let's hear it. Uh, There was a guy named Professor Adam Weishaupt. 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 We'll go with that okay. one. Uh, who in the uh, 18th century founded this group called the Illuminati. And the Illuminati basically said, we think that government's corrupt. We think that the church is corrupt and we need to get rid of them. But this is not something that you can do in the open. So we're going to form a secret society. And speaking of secret societies, we like you Masons in Bavaria. So let's hook up. Let's do this together. Yeah, you're really doing it right. So the Masons in Bavaria and the Illuminati hung out for a while, uh, joined forces, and then the Masons realized that these guys were going to get them all killed. Yeah, they're crazy. And they they 
broke off their um, engagement with the Illuminati and their date with Destiny was postponed, right? Yes. So what I thought was nice was the government of Bavaria said, no, 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 Illuminati, you need to disband, which they supposedly did. And the some end. people still think that end they're... scene. Yeah. But we, since we're talking about conspiracies, we need to say some people still think that they're involved together and that they're trying to control. That, that, was, that was implied <laughs> by my pregnant pause at the end. Yeah, they think they're trying to like control the banks of the world and yeah. the governments of the world all secretly together. Right. One view of the Masons is that the, the Masons that you see every day with like the stickers or the magnets on their cars or the Shriners and right. their, their um, little cars yeah. um, are basically just distractions in that they're these – you know, people at like the higher levels, the thirty third degrees. Yeah, they're actually running the show. Right. Um, it's but, all a big front. Right, and these are the people who like actually run Goldman Sachs. And, right. You know, decide that the euro is going to happen, or whether or not Greece is allowed to exist as right. an economy. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think now is when we should bring up our cohort to stuff they don't want you to know. Which, if, for those of you not in the know, it's our one of our video podcasts that. A couple of our, you know, video dudes do a great job, and it's very it's awesome. Yeah, it's cool, and it's you know they have a lot of fun with it, and they're not like they don't believe all this stuff necessarily, but it's fun to dig it up and do fun little videos about it. Mm-hmm. Fun, yeah. And uh, they did one on uh, Masons, and one of the theories is that uh, the layout of Washington D.C. was designed in such a way by Freemasons to align with ley lines, and ley lines are these supposed uh, energy, energy forces. Like elect, um, electromagnetic lines, right? Is that what it is? I think so. Supposedly, and, and they did a couple of cool shots, of uh, like aerial shots from Google Maps, where they line up these pentagrams. The streets in D.C., you've been there. It's like, it's crazy. I've seen that. We saw that episode together, remember? They yeah. debuted it for us. Yeah, it's good. I just yeah. watched it again today. And... um. If you if you line these streets up, supposedly they match up with ley lines in accordance with the Washington, they call it the Washington Obelisk, not the Washington <laughs> Monument. Right. And um, those connect to like other power points in the in the on Earth, like Stonehenge or mystical an places. Inconvenient truth. Or <laughs> exactly, and they concentrate energy, and they say that they can use this energy in D.C. to do everything from. Uh, cause natural disasters to hallucinations. And these are ley line theorists. And yet uh, they can't come up with a decent left-handed can opener. I know. <laughs> Crazy. So we, we don't. I don't believe that stuff. It's all a bunch of bunk, if you ask me. It is. But, I mean, you know, thinking about Freemasonry in the United States is kind of a national pastime among the 16 to, say, 34-year-old set, right? Yeah. Um, and it hasn't always been been this way you know we went from masons founding the united states to the point we're at now which is you know hey masons how's it going you guys just do your own thing thanks for being philanthropic right um to somewhere in the middle there's a bump where there was a a a real movement that was anti-masonic that was so strong and pronounced it had its own newspapers and a political party based on anti-freemasonry yeah right for good reason in well, this one case, at least. Yeah, well, there's a guy in uh, 1826 who is named William Morgan, and he came out with a book called Freemasonry Exposed, and it basically laid out a lot of the secrets that we now know today about Freemasonry. 
Um, and that kind of got the, the public sentiment whipped up. Like, who are these people? Why do they believe this stuff? This is kind of weird, right? Yeah, and I saw a couple of things. that I saw one thing that said that he was uh, tried to get in and couldn't, and that's why he wrote it. And then I read a thing that said that he was actually a Mason and couldn't, they didn't allow him above a certain level. So he got all ticked off and said, all right, I'm going to expose all your secrets. Sure. I mean, there's sour grapes written all over that book, Big I'm time. sure. Oh, yeah. But, um, and probably I think some people may have taken that whole thing with a grain of salt had it not been for what happened to William Morgan. <laughs> like he disappeared? Yeah, he was yeah. abducted and taken to the Niagara River. Yeah, and that this is, again, there's varying accounts on what happened because they can't. there's very little evidence in this case. But the story goes that he was arrested formally arrested for a uh, a debt that he owed to an innkeeper, which this alleged debt was a very hinky thing. And they put him in jail, and the jailkeeper took the night off and had his wife sit in for him. And these three masons came to the wife and said, hey, can you give us this guy? Can we can go into our custody? And she said, sure. And then they stuffed him in a trunk, drove him to Canada, and either paid him to stay in Canada or drowned him in the river. Right. We don't know what happened. Depends on how much money they had. Yeah, I guess so. But I took it that they never found William Morgan's body then. I don't think so. If he conceivably lived his life out in Canada or he drowned, that would indicate that they never found him. Yeah. But he disappeared right after he wrote this book. Yeah, and that whipped up a frenzy of anti-Masonic sentiment, basically. Right. And so uh, in New York State, uh, the number of lodges went from 480 in 1825 to 75 in 1835. That's a big Just drop. Just a decade, yeah. right? So it went kind of, um, it went south. It went pear-shaped for him for a little while. And the Civil War was such a national horror that um, everybody kind of forgot about how much they hated the Masons and the Masons were allowed to flourish again. Yeah. And here we are today. Yeah. And some, you know, there's other weird theories about bad things they've done like they were in on the Kennedy plot uh, the Kennedy assassination plot or the Jack the Ripper murders right but there's no water that can be held with any of that no but if you really really want to learn about masonry Freemasonry right yeah apparently the Freemasonry for dummies and the complete idiot's guide to Freemasonry are dead on because in the list of complaints against him the uh a former uh, master of a lodge in Boise mm-hmm. who who was basically calling out this guy and telling him he had to come to a Masonic trial right? Um, cited specific page numbers in these two books. <laughs> so if wow. you if you really want to understand Masonry, get the Complete Idiot's Guide wow. or um, the Mason's Guide to Dummies or Masonry for Dummies. Free we'll Masonry. both of those. Yeah, I have one. Do you really? I got it from Matt Frederick. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Scott, you're so into that. Uh, I do have a list, and you know, if you go, there's an official list on the internet of like hundreds and hundreds of famous uh, men that have been Freemasons. But I just earmarked a few that I thought were interesting. Um, Bud Abbott of Abbott and Costello, mm-hmm. Mason. Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington, both mm-hmm. Masons. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but That's we right. should say that the Masons were um, very much down with uh, the abolition movement. Oh, yeah. There was, um, they had, they allowed, I guess, the African Lodge Number One to be established awesome. in 
Boston in 1775. They're very forward-thinking in a lot of ways. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and that became the Prince Hall Freemasonry, which is segregated, right. but like a huge part of the abolitionist movement. And we're talking uh, a century before. Wow. Um, the real deal? Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I also read a thing, I should mention, that they were targeted uh, during the Holocaust as well. Really? Did, so you add them to the list of homosexuals and Jews and, you know, anyone that had crossed eyes that the Nazis were like, let's kill them. You know, cross-eyed uh, is called strabismus. Did you know that? We're just throwing the knowledge out today. Uh, so next on my list is Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. Huh. Uh, Henry Clay. <laughs> How about that? Wow. He was the um, Speaker of the House. and He was hawkish, right? Yeah, he was actually the Grand Master of Kentucky. Wow. And our buddies, I guess, and the Henry Clay people, that was enough for them. Are they from Kentucky? No. Oh, okay. They're from L.A. Yeah. Weird. Uh, Cecil B. DeMille, Arthur Conan Doyle, John Elway, and Scottie Pippen. Huh. Freemasons. Yeah. How about that? Uh, Harry Houdini, Timothy Hutton, as I already said. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Jackson and Peter Sellers, Harpo Marx, and then, of course, for some reason, Mark Twain and John Wayne. Just I was like, well, of course, they're Freemasons. Yeah. They just kind of fit. And that's just a, a few. I mean, they're J. Edgar Hoover, Clark Gable. There's tons and tons of these famous dudes back in the day were Freemasons. Wow. It was the, the hip thing back then. Well, that's Freemasonry. Um, attention all Freemasons. If you're going to send guys to kill me and Chuck, please at least let it be Scotty Pippen and Timothy Hutton, okay? To burn my bowels. Ooh. What if Scotty Pippen burns your bowels this weekend or next week when this is released? I'd be upset. It'd be quite a story. So that's it. If that's you want to learn more, you want to see that all 33 degrees of Freemasonry, you can uh, type in how Freemasons work in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And I guess then it's time for listener mail. It is, Josh. I'm going to call this um, one of a couple prison emails that we're going to be reading. I'm going to stretch these out over a few weeks. But we got some awesome email from former inmates. Mm-hmm. That set us straight in a few ways, and also... Uh, One guy said we were dead on. Yeah. And I think it, what we learned, or what I learned from the email was, it's hard to do a definitive prison podcast, because they're all a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Like this one girl wrote in, she's like, they're not allowed to have cigarettes in prison. And I replied, oh, yes, they are, with a link. And it just depends on what state and what prison it is. Each prison has its own personality. They do. Uh, this is from Anonymous. She requested, or he requested. Thank you for the prison podcast, guys. I grew up in Attica, New York, not in the prison. Uh, my father was a, a correctional officer until he, until he retired just this year. I lived about a mile away from the prison, and when I was a kid, they used to tell me that it was a castle. Uh, <laughs> sort of is, in a way. Uh, standing in my yard, you could hear the guards speaking to the bris- uh, prisoners in the yard, and we even went to an annual picnic for the guards and their families every year on the prison grounds. It was always surreal to ride in a hay wagon around the prison grounds and see the prisoners behind razor wire, play, uh, razor wire playing basketball and hanging out. Uh, no one had ever escaped at that, you know, during my stay there, uh, but when I was in high school, a few prisoners uh, did escape from the minimum security prison that's behind Attica, and they were caught very soon after. And their bowels were burned. They were burned by Scotty Pippen. It is hard to feel any sympathy for these prisoners for me, because I grew up in the shadow of this institution, and when you know families that are affected by the death of the guards during the riot, you know, it, it changes your outlook. I think people want to root for the underdog and believe 
that uh, there are so many wrongly convicted uh, innocents in prison and the guards are evil. But in reality, most of the guys are pretty bad guys and most of the guards are just trying to do their job. In fact, no one mentions the stress that the guards go through working in a place like that every day. My dad used to have nightmares. He once grabbed my mom while he was asleep and told her to lock in. <laughs> so that's sort of like our sleep thing. It's a parasomnia. And he, she said it's almost like they have sort of like a post-traumatic stress disorder. When my dad finally retired this year, it was as if a huge burden was lifted. He I'll was bet. less irritated and he was less snappy with the people around him. So uh, kudos to the men and women who go to work at these places day in and day out, working midnight shifts and holidays so we can all be safe. And that's from Anonymous, and that's a very good point. Thanks a lot for the email, Anonymous. Appreciate that. Um, it's a weird name. It is. It's so Fake. unique. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to send us an anonymous email, that's perfectly fine. Just say anonymous because we'll be able to tell from your email address who you are. Uh, you can wrap it up and send it to us at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?